And we are live for the 17th episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Loves Luigi. And tonight, it is me, it is Andrew, and it is our boy G. How are you guys doing tonight? What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Good to be back. Good to be back. Good to be a fan of a baseball team that is 22 games above 500 in the month of June. Um, still the highest not- percentage of baseball. Right. Um, the, the standings are a bit complicated with all the Randallys. I believe we have four fewer games in the Red Sox play than the Red Sox. And I believe that will be five after tonight. So it's still a bit confusing, but you know, we're just looking at the win percentage right now. And yeah, the Yankees have been on fire. A bit of a weird week. Uh, played four games in three days between Monday and Wednesday. Um, obviously had an off day Thursday before having the Yankees play the Mets this coming weekend, so that should be a fun series because the Mets have just been sucking it up. And, you know, boys, the title of this episode is uh, Sunny Days Ahead because, wow, Sunny Gray was pretty phenomenal last night. Let's start there. Um, You know, that game last night uh, wasn't the length of the game that was out of the ordinary. It was pretty much a normal Yankee game, three hours and 40 minutes, but 13 innings of no runs, and eight of those innings were pitched by Sonny Gray. Only two hits. Might be his best start as a Yankee. Definitely one of his best starts this year. Second time in his last four starts, he's gone eight innings. Um, guys, what, what's gotten into Sonny Gray? Is like Why is he pitching like the guy we traded for? <laughs> Who knows what to say with Sonny, because he'll, he'll do this, he'll tease, and then he'll throw out – just one of those dumpster fire performances next time around. So uh, I'd like to see him back it up in his next outing. Um, it'll be it'll be home, which he's been significantly better on the road. So I think we'll get a better taste next time he pitches to see if last night was a fluke or if he's starting to right the ship. But, but plus night. Yeah. Um, I mean, just like two two hits over eight innings for Gray, and I mean just. What I always look for with Gray is just the pitch count and the walks. And, you know, Boone sent him back out there for that eighth inning last night. And I was I'm not going to lie. I was a bit uh, weary because his pitch count was getting up there. But, you know, he did the job and obviously got a great backup from the bullpen. Um, gee, what did what did you think of your boy Sonny's performance from last night? Uh, I mean, so I have – Really nothing but the stats because I didn't get to really see it. But, I mean, obviously the stats look good. He threw 99 pitches through those eight innings, if I'm reading the thing correctly. So, um, I mean, I know the Blue Jays aren't really that good. They've been struggling a little bit. They've done some things, I think, against the Yankees that have been kind of annoying, like Teoscar Hernandez hitting home runs all the time. But, like, generally speaking, they haven't been that good. And, uh, I mean – we said it, uh, you know, multiple times. He has good stuff, and um, he's always kind of alternated between, like, you know, just nibbling and walking guys and just throwing balls right over the plate to get hammered. And, I mean, yeah, I guess he just found it. You know, he found his sweet spot, and, you know, he has good stuff, and he just used it. And give credit to a uh, a player. You know, he beat the team that he was supposed to beat. You know, you bring up a good point, and it brings me back to that that start. Uh, it was the the Saturday night Fox game, um, two starts ago, when he got absolutely roasted against the Angels, 
And he said in the post-game interview, like, oh, I thought my stuff was really good. And people destroyed him on Twitter. But you know what? Like, his last two outings have been really good. Like, I, I think it's very possible that he had a good feel for his pitches. Or, excuse me, he, he said the stuff was good. So, I mean, his the movement was good. The p- pitches were sharp. He just wasn't locating them. So, it, it, if that's three starts in a row, he's felt good. Two of them he's gotten the good. That's, that's a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, like, the – the biggest thing with Gray is, you know, it's it's almost like 90% of the time or even more, his stuff is going to be there. His pitches are going to have movement on it. But, you know, a lot of times he just messes around too much and he finds himself in too many 2-0 and 3-1 counts. And when he when he just goes after guys, when he just goes after hitters, he just – I mean, I think – I believe it was the Royal start early in the year where he was, I think, 15 up, 15 down. And last night, you know, it was 12 up, 12 down, ran into some trouble in the fifth, got out of it, I believe, for all the double play ball to end the fifth and sixth inning. So – just an all-around great performance from Gray in a game that really didn't have a you know a lot to say about it until the 13th inning. That start against the Royals and the start against the Blue Jays last night were the only starts of uh, let's see what is it ten starts more than ten starts his only starts of the season that he's gone into or past the seventh inning he pitched eight innings both times. I think those are the only two times he's pitched eight innings in his Yankee tenure. Yeah, I, I don't I don't remember another time where I'm throwing eight innings. But yeah, so it was only a two game set in Toronto, and uh, before the obviously last night's game, uh, you know our 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 uh, blog leader Ryan Toms uh, wrote a nice little piece about this. Got in touch with the family. the The All Rise kid really stole the show last night. Uh, you know, props to the yes uh, cameraman, uh, the camera crew. All like they were all over that all night. You know, the kid. Uh, I guess he got a got one of the uh, judges' home run balls from batting practice. You know, he realized it was judges' ball. Was all excited. Every time judge got up, he was holding up an all rise sign. And up until the very last at bat, yes was on it. Like they were on this story. And what do you know? Aaron Judge hits the two run go ahead home run to break the scoreless tie and eventually win the game. And it was followed by a absolute the hardest home run hit all year in baseball. And, uh, Stanton, I mean, 119.9, I think it was. It was 119 miles per hour. Absolute laser beam, man. I mean, I've seen Stanton hit home runs live like that. And it's those balls get out in a couple seconds. It's it's pretty incredible. I mean, though, watching home runs like that, those line drives might be even more impressive than watching those towering shots because you're just not used to seeing them. But they hit yeah. one like that. Um, Against the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium that I just remembered, like, John and Susan on the radio were just, like, stunned by it. You know, just the fact, you know, like a laser beam into, like, you know, the second or third row, like, right in left field down the line. And it was just, dude, he's just crazy, man. He's just crazy, man. And, you know, he kind of goes against Sterling's call, you know. Sterling, no matter what, Sterling Sterling will always say, it is high, it is far, you know. Really not that high when he hits them like that. Those balls do not get that high off the ground at all. But not really that far either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, yeah, so the first game against the Blue Jays um, Tuesday that resulted in a Yankees win as well. They took that, um, I believe, seven to three. Yeah, seven to two. Um, and that game featured Miguel Andujar's first career grand slam and. Yeah, Aaron Hicks had a three-run homer as well in that game to give the Yankees their seven. And, you know, we're going to talk – we're going to have a little, uh, you know, who's hot and who's not for the Yankees segment in a little bit. But 
man, uh, you know, Miguel Andujar, he leads this team in uh, batting average right now. Guess what? Last night's game was the first game Andujar's had where he had multiple walks. So, I mean, look, baby steps, right? I mean, there, there was a point in the season where he had you know, only a few walks, and, you know, his on-base percentage is starting to starting to look a little bit better. So, I mean, Andujar is really a guy that, I mean, we all know he could hit, right? That goes without saying. The guy's been an extra base hit machine. He's hitting, you know, above 300. But it's nice to see him finally get a bit selected. He's up to nine walks now. And, you know, we saw DD kind of, turn the corner in terms of, you know, getting on base and being more selective. And it's happened to Andujar pretty quickly too. So it's good to see. But yeah, so uh, well, let's, uh, what were you going to say, Andrew? I was going to say, did this become the who's hot, who's not? You kind of touched on half the guys already. <laughs> no, I mean, I was, what's up, G? No, oh, actually for the, um, what is it? The Tuesday night game. I think we should talk about CC since it was by that's far. The, the best I think that's the season. most impressive part of of that game. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. great to see Hicks and and Anduar hit the home runs, but CC had a couple of rough outings going into that. So that that we, we got to talk about him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, CC said on the RTCT podcast that yeah, he he had been sucking lately before that start, and it was nice to get back in the swing of things. But yeah, so I mean, just when you get got like when you have CC and Sonny on the slate for a series, you know, that not a guaranteed, uh, not no guaranteed wins there, especially with the way those, both those guys have been pitching, but to get two performances like you did from Sony and CC, just phenomenal. Andrew, t- tell us about CC's performance on Tuesday night. You know, from him, I gave up, what was it? Two soul home runs. Um, but you know, they were, t- it, they weren't even like mistake pitches. I don't think. I think they kind of maybe hung around a little bit. But but yeah, who who hit him? It was Tiasca Hernandez and Kevin Pilar. Uh, so it wasn't like he got burned by putting right right down the middle to uh, I don't know who's on the team without Donaldson. Right? They have smoke and say, uh, I was about to say, 2016 version of Donaldson. That's like that's really it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but but CC does such a great job of pitching to location, pitching to soft contact, and and it looked like. Toronto was just was totally off balance the whole night. And that's when CeCe's at his peak, when he's just baffling. Him. It's the kind of games where I, I know we always get frustrated watching some nobody do the same thing to the Yankees. We're thinking like, this guy throws 88 miles an hour. How How is he, he – his pitches aren't moving that much. He's not throwing hard. How are we getting absolutely dominated by this nobody? And not that CeCe's a nobody, but that's how he pitches all the time. Yeah, um, that – I mean, CC that night let up three hits, and two of them were the solo homers. Yeah, so, I mean, he was just—I mean, just in the zone. Like, and just think of this: the Yankees starters in Toronto, Sonny Gray and CC, go 15 innings and give up five hits. So, I think that's a pretty good recipe. Wouldn't you guys think for uh, winning three and games? four starter? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, you from your three and four starter just to do that—it's just phenomenal. And look, the pitch count—I just keep looking at the pitch counts. Eight. CC only had 89 pitches through seven innings, you know, just phenomenal. I think um, for CC, I mean, you know, he came back from his injury and obviously he wasn't, he didn't seem all that sharp. You know, he had um, the three or four starts in a row. He only pitched like four innings or five innings, like, and his pitch count was just getting up there so quickly. Like it seemed like he had, 
even if he pitched like a good first or second inning, and then he would always have an inning where he threw like 30 pitches, and then that was it. Like he would just have that one big inning, even if he didn't give up any runs. He just wasn't sharp, and last night for the first time since he came back, seemed like he was actually really sharp. So hopefully that can continue. I think it goes back to that that Red Sox game that we talked about, Stanton having that laser beam home run. I think that was the same game. CC had been cruising, and to that point, his ERA was, what, under two or something like that? And then yeah, see, yeah, his, his stats were ridiculous through the first like six, five, six starts. And then that started against the Red Sox. Not even mm-hmm. like that they hit him hard. I think he walked a bunch of guys. He just looked off. He had a couple 30-pitch innings. That was kind of the, the tipping point for his slump that he just, just went into, but seemingly is out of now. Um, but it's like night and day watching him when he's struggling. Uh, he's giving up a lot of – a lot of you know hard hit balls right up the middle because he's leaving pitches over the plates uh, compared oh, yeah. to the end of the night when he's just keeping them off balance the whole night. He only threw four innings in that start against the Red Sox. That was in early May. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he had some – CeCe had some April. He really did. Um, yeah, so Andrew correctly cut me off there because I was – a little jumping the gun a little bit with the who's hot and who's not segment before recapping that game Tuesday, but let's just pick it right back up because I just I just want to talk about Miguel Andujar. Like I I, I just can't get enough of the guy because you know I think Andrew was it was it me who said that Andujar and Glaber would both be big parts of this Yankees team this season? No, it wasn't you. It was someone else. Oh, you're right. You're right. It was me. But no, it, it was me. <laughs> and look, look, I I thought they'd be you know big parts of this team. I didn't think they'd be two of the best hitters, to be honest. You know, I mean, and that's that's what they are right now. I, like Andujar, just his first career Grand Slam Tuesday night. Like I said earlier, he's starting to work the count, starting to simply put, he's starting to not swing at everything. Because like there was a point, and like I forget which at bat it was and which game, but it was like a seven or eight pitch at bat, and basically, you know, it was like a two-two count and. Pitcher threw like three or four straight curveballs in the dirt. He just swung and fouled all of them off. And eventually, you know, the pitcher just threw one way out of the zone. He swung and missed. People were saying how good of an at-bat it was. And I thought to myself, that's not a good at-bat. He just kept swinging and swinging. Like, he's got to take some of those pitches. And over the last couple weeks, I've noticed him starting to lay off some pitches and starting to put himself in much better counts. And, I mean, it's just happening so quickly for all these young guys. And, the defense for Andujar, that's that's another story. Um, it's definitely got to improve. Uh, you know, something even with Andujar, I I notice is like when he throws, it's just like I I never feel secure. Like when he was throwing home last night to get smoke out at home, it's like I, I was like so nervous. Like I don't know why. It's just like his arm slot or something about it. It's just so unnatural. But Andujar at the plate has been in fuego. Has so, a um, 470 batting average, eight for his last 17 over the last seven days with two home runs and eight RBIs and uh, three walks in a week. So, I mean, yeah, there you go. Three, th- like two, yeah, last night was his first career game with multiple walks. And it, it took him, it took extra innings to do it, but I'll take it. And uh, his on-base percentage is sitting at a nice round 337, which is a full 31 points higher than his batting average now. Well, I mean, that's that's actually pretty good because there was a point where his on-base percentage was, like, I think, only like 15 or 20 points higher than his batting average. So, you know, he's he's improving. You know, he's improving. I think that's where Didi was last year in terms of his batting average compared to his on-base percentage, around 30, 40 points. 
Yeah, those numbers, three, uh, what is he hitting, like 303, 337? Yeah, so those are very DD-esque numbers. <laughs> yeah, uh, really, though, it's just because, like, with DD, it took, you know, a few years for him. Really, this is the first year, and it's obviously still early, that he actually started to work walks and actually started to, I think, his, I believe, even though DD, you know, struggled and his average is way down now, I mean, his on-base percentage is still, you know, still decent, whereas last year, if DD was hitting 240, his on-base percentage would be probably detrimental to the team. But, hey, he's he's changed that. Um, let's talk about a guy who, um, you know, who, who's just not hot. And, um, you know, we all love him. You know, we, we, all, we all root for him. We all want to see him do well. But, my God, Gary Sanchez is almost batting below 200, guys. Like, you know, like he started the season, you know, what was he, two for 35? That slump was to start the season. And – you know, you under you were, you understood that that was gonna put almost uh, was gonna anchor his stats down no matter what. You know, just because you start off the year like that. But I mean, man, it's he just like he looks like the Houston, like he's in the Houston series. Like you know, like I just like that's all I could think of when I see him struggling. I just see him hacking at pitches that are bouncing at the plate. He just looks lost up there. It's just the lack of approach. The I mean, just. I don't know. What do you guys think is, is like wrong is wrong with Gary right now? Like, what do you guys notice in his swing or his approach? It's all his approach. I, I think his yeah. mechanically, his swing doesn't look that much different, but he's swinging at everything. It's like, remember, he went through that really bad slump in. It was, I think it was either late June or early July last year. It was that about that point where him and judge were striking out every bat hitting back to back mm-hmm. um that's how gary looks right now where he's just waving at everything he has no pitch recognition he's swinging at a lot of first pitches and immediately putting himself down in counts um i think he did he's, he has been drawing a couple walks of late which is a good sign but it looks like he's getting up there thinking hack 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 and that's not him i, I think that's directly related to his issues i think uh i forget I feel terrible. I forget who it was, someone on Twitter, but I think someone, you know, their thought was like, you know, it seems like he's just hunting fastballs. Like he's just waiting, you know, he wants pitches that are just there on the inside corner so he can just crush them into the left field seats. Like, you know, he's just going up there waving at stuff. And um, in the, like, you know, one of his later at bats in the game yesterday, just, um, you know, Pitcher's throwing, you know, he's pumping fastballs like right in the middle of the plate there, and he fouls them off, and then pitcher throws one in the dirt, and he just waved at it like not even close. And it's just, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's, I don't know. We need to dial up A Rod and J Lo because you know he just, I don't know, he's just not seeing the ball well. Yeah, um, and, and when you do that, you start guessing, and I think that's what he's doing a lot. You know, if you're seeing the ball well, you can react. I mean. Is a is a, a twenty mile per hour gap? Let's say between like a good curveball and, and a heavy fastball. Uh, you, the, the time to react is is obviously difficult. But if you're getting up thinking like, well, this guy's going to throw me a fastball, and it's a slider low and away, like you're toast before you even start swinging mm-hmm. the bat. And he's he's one hundred percent guessing. He's not recognizing the pitches, you know, arm slots from the pitchers. Like he literally just has in his mind, this is where the pitch is going to be. This is what type of pitch it's going to be. I'm swinging or I'm not swinging, and. <laughs> it's it's like throwing a dart in, in the dark at that point. Yeah, um, some uh, Gary stats really quick. He's four for his last forty. Ugh. Um, this year against right-handed pitchers in one hundred forty-seven at bats, 
177 batting average. I mean, those are like those are awful numbers. Like that's there's no sugarcoating that. And I mean, I know the power numbers are still like you know I think he still has twelve, like twelve. You know, even the power numbers are now all of a sudden a bit down because he hasn't hit a home run in a few weeks. So you know, I think he had that little span or like that week or two span where you know he got the game winning the uh, go ahead home run against Houston off Ken Giles, and then he hit the walk off at the stadium, and you know it looked like he was things were getting back on track, but. Yeah, I mean, he's re- he's really fallen back into another bad slump. I mean, four for his last 40 is awful. <laughs> I mean, I just keep using the word awful, but I mean, man. Just, I mean, it's like. I mean, at least at least we have the best backup catcher in baseball, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think for Gary, it's, um, I mean, stats aren't everything more than, you know, him just being like a usable, productive player, but he batted 278 last year, like, to think, you know, we're 60-something games into the season now, like, you know, more bats, more plate appearances. Like, think of, like, the the kind of hot streak he's going to have to go on to get his average up to even, like, a number close to what it was last year is just kind of kind of insane. Well, what's, oh, yeah. what's interesting, Yes talked about that yes, uh, the other day. It was either last night or the day before uh, when they were interviewing Marcus Timms talking about it. Tim's even himself said that Gary's gone up there trying to get four hits in a single at bat, which mm-hmm. I physically cannot do. I think he's getting caught in the, wow, my batting average is crap right now. And I got to dig out by stringing together four five, six hits in a row. And it's like, dude, you got to take it one at bat at a time. I know that's easier said than done, but I wonder if part of it is mental for him that he's seeing his batting average nowhere near where it's supposed to be. And it's getting him. Well, you know, like the whole thing with starting off a year just so bad. Like, you know, we saw it with Tanaka last year where he started up like at first few months of the year. He was so awful that even when he started to pitch well, it just, you still would just look at his stats and say, oh, those are awful because you just put yourself in such a big hole that nearly impossible to climb out of. And that's what Gary like, – I, I mean, it's hard to imagine Gary hitting over 260 to end the season at this point. I mean, he'd, he'd have to raise his average 60 full points in only a few months. I mean, he could definitely do it. I mean, he's one of the most talented hitters in baseball, but it's not going to be easy. And it's it's not something that, like, needs to happen, you know? It's like, oh, the, the Yankees need to – like, look, Gary could have a year where he hits 230, 240. I know that sounds ugly, but, I mean, it's just – like, he's such a great hitting catcher. I think we've kind of forgotten, like, hey, he's not immune to seasons where, you know, he might not hit at his usual average. And I think we're – I think we're seeing that. Yeah, I read an interesting article uh, earlier this morning uh, that said something along the lines of like, scouts have said that 2016 Gary, when he came up as a rookie, was like, that's as good as you're ever going to see him. I'm thinking to myself, like, I mean, maybe, but there's no way. uh, I mean, it's not like out of the question because that version of Gary freaking hit 20 plus home runs in a couple of months. I mean, that was an insane tear he went on. And he hit 300. <laughs> yeah. And I was about to say, and he was a 300 hitter and he would have been, I mean, he was 299, but that was only because he was just ice cold that like September, but just like yeah. the last four or five games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know what I meant? Come on. <laughs> but, <laughs> he was, yeah, he was ice cold the last part of the season. Well, he was yeah, he wasn't ice cold for September because he's only up for freaking two months. So what am I saying? I, I should be doing a Mets podcast the way I'm podcasting right now. Oh. Anyways, anyways, yeah. So, you know, another guy that we were talking about who's not hot, and I just alluded to, you know, who's backing up Gary. And 
Shit, Austin Romine's in Fuego. I mean, he, you know, his hit streak ended. The the eleven game hit streak came to an end last. He didn't get a hit last night, but my lord, Romy, you're my homie. What's gotten into Austin Romine? He's done a really good job this year of of reworking himself. I think they said that he closed off his stance a little bit. He shortened the swing, and and I know you guys, everyone's probably heard it, but uh, Boone challenged him at the beginning of the year. He said. I think your numbers, you could do better than you did last year. It wasn't like a, hey, man, you suck. Pick up your numbers from last year. It was like, we know you're more talented than what your baseball card says you did in 2017. And it was like a motivation thing. And Romine was all about it. He said he loved it. And he came ready to play this year. He was the best hitter in spring training too, right? I think he hit like 400. And we're all like, ah, whatever. Spring training is a catcher. It doesn't mean anything. He's been just as good in the regular season. He's been unbelievable at the plate. Like, there's no other way to put it. For a guy that, you know, comes this season, a 230 career hitter. You know, we have a few members of the podcast who just, you know, just don't think highly of Austin Romine at all. Just don't think he's good. And Air him out. I mean, Matt, no, I'm, I, don't, I don't air people out um, unless their name is Alex Weir. But, <laughs> <There it is. laughs> I mean. I didn't, I didn't I knock the guy per se, but, I mean, I, I talked about him – you know, as, you know, what he was coming into the season, which was, you know, just like the light hitting standard backup catcher who had seven career home runs in six seasons coming into this year. But it, he's pretty much going to double that total or more this year if he continues on this pace, which is pretty cool. He's gone the like the Stanton route of just like closing your stance to the extreme, but it's working out really well, which is just really cool for him. Check out this. Last 10 games, and this is in five last night. In his last 10 games, he's hitting 419 with a even 500 on base percentage, four home runs, 13 RBIs, only five strikeouts in 36 plate appearances. Seems good. Dialed in. Yeah. And he, got, he hit a ball hard last night, and I think it was his first at bat. And then, uh, but that one. You know, they made a nice play on it. Didn't even make it out of the infield, but he still hit it really hard. Mm -hmm. I don't think he wound up getting a hit last night. But um, Hit streak snapped. Yeah. His numbers could have been even even better. Not that we're going to knock the guy for that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's almost – it's come to the point where he's been hitting so well that, you know, it's like, hey, it's almost – not even to give Gary a night off. Like you just want Romine's bat in the lineup every few nights. And look, he's obviously going to cool down, right? I think we already saw last night that he cooled down a bit. But I mean, man, he's he's just been an asset. And now behind the plate, it's, he's obviously still a like. Despite what you know, I know if you go on Twitter.com, uh, Gary Sanchez is the worst catcher, defensive catcher in uh, human history. Like I know that's what Twitter would tell you. But you know, Austin Romine behind the plate, eight of ten base runners have uh, stolen. Sack or stolen base off him this year, so you know he's definitely a definitely a bit of a downgrade defensively in terms of uh, keeping runners in check uh, when good old Gary Bear is not back there. But and yeah, people I mean, don't like the stat catchers ERA, but Gary's got a better catcher's ERA than Romine. You hear that, people? You didn't like it. Andrew still gave you that stat right in your face. But I think know, the. Uh... I mean, in terms of Romine versus Gary, the only issue with it is that, you know, I mean, he's got a great arm and the catcher's ERA is, you know, that's a good stat. But, like, he, I mean, he lets a lot of balls get by, which is fine. Like, 
you know, the way that David Cohn described it, like, you know, when he's hitting, you know, he's going to deliver more value to you as a hitter than what he'll give up as a catcher. But I mean, that's not happening right now. So I think fans are just going to be even more aggravated in general than, you know, at your average pass ball because he's just not hitting. Yeah, of course yeah. that compounds the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gary, the pass balls, Gary, it's still an issue, obviously. Um, yeah, that's, I think honestly, that's something in terms of not even skill. It's just really effort with Gary, but you know, uh, it's been it's been tough though for guys like you know Didi. Didi isn't in the section because he's not hot or cold, but you know, Didi has Didi. You know, you know how many home runs Didi's hit this month, guys, or how many D- home runs Didi's hit in the last twenty eight days? Zero, none, one, one maybe one, one, yeah. one home run in the last twenty. I mean, yeah, you know what it was? It was it was May twenty third in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so for next, we're we're also and then we're gonna stick in the cold section. Uh, guy that's cooled off a little bit, the phenom, yeah, Liber Torres. Um, last seven days he's four for his last twenty three. Um, last fourteen days he's ten for his last forty three. So you know, as expected, the rookie's cooled off a bit. Um, he had that. I mean, he was hitting three over three hundred for quite a bit. Now his average is back at two ninety four. I mean. The, t- the 10 home runs still gets to me. Like, every time I just see Glyber with 10 home runs, like, you know, just a, mo- a little over a month playing, it's just just incredible. But, yeah, um, I think I, – honestly, I think it's a case of, you know, pitchers are starting to starting to watch a little bit more film on this Glyber guy because, you know, he was he was one of the Yankees' best hitters, you know, for that – for a few weeks. And, you know, they make adjustments. But – yeah, you know what gets me with him in in this cold streak he's in right now? He has eight errors on the season. I think like five or was, six are in the Andrew, last. Andrew, I was literally just about to say, like, you know, I don't think we should be focusing on him at the plate as much as we should in the field because the, the thing I notice about Gliver is like he'll make these great plays, like those like plays that the average baseball fan like doesn't think are tough, but are just like really you know tough plays to like make look good. He makes those plays automatically, but like. When there's just a slow grounder coming to him and he has all the time, like those are the plays he messes up. And I really think it's just might be like a lack of concentration. I mean, he's still a 21 year old kid, but yeah, I mean, his, his defense is really a problem. And we saw the other night, you know, it directly cost the Yankees a run when uh, Severino was pitching, you know, he makes the error runner goes a second and that run eventually scores. And, you know, Sevy did the right thing in the dugout and uh, picked him up on like, uh, who was it? McCullers. McCullers. Yeah. Chewed his teammate out, but yeah, you know, Sevy did the right thing, picked up Gliber. But yeah, I mean, you know, I talk talk about Andujar's defense being problem. You know, Gliber's Gliber's defense is a problem too. Um, it's it's just so hard to fix defense because almost like most young guys, especially most young infielders, middle infielders or infielders in general, are just going to have problems defensively. It's it's tough. Like people don't realize that with Hicks and Frazier. Like when people say, "Oh, well, you know, I just put Frazier out there over Hicks." People don't realize how tough it is to be a great defensive outfield. I think we saw that when Clint misplayed those two balls in uh, Detroit. Yeah, but well, here, real quick, yeah, I'm gonna put you on the spot, Luigi. Oh man, oh man, makes, makes a lot of difficult plays that don't look that you wouldn't think are difficult, but boots the easy plays. Don't think about it. Who does that remind you of? Former Yankee. Don't think was about it. First thing that comes to mind, you're thinking about it. Could know. 
I was going to say Chase Headley. Headley made some uh-huh. amazing plays at third base, and then yeah. the ball's hit right to him, he would air him out into the seats. You know, I don't, I don't know why I thought Cano, because Cano seemed like always to make the routine plays. But Cano made every play. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. I, I, You know what? I don't. I never thought, you know what, Andrew? I never thought I'd be comparing Gliber and Chase Headley. Just defensively. <laughs> what a world. But, yeah, you know, just Eight errors. He's got eight errors in 39 games. And uh, I think Andujar has less, right? I don't think Andujar yeah, has eight errors. He yet. does. Andujar has let some easy balls chew him up, though, that have gotten rolled for hits. So yeah, I'm not yeah. super concerned about it. I mean, it stinks. It's definitely not what you want. Hashtag Joe Girardi. But, I mean, <laughs> like, even, I mean – so he's got as much talent as any defender that you know we'll see in terms of a prospect. But like, I mean, I'll give him, I'll, I'll compare him. I'll give him some high praise. Derek Jeter in his first full season played 157 games and had 22 errors. So yep. I mean, I think it's and he over time you know settled in and made like every routine play that was hit at him. I think you know it's probably you know like Andrew said a concentration or like I think he just needs to learn and just settle in and and just get those big league reps. Yeah, yeah I'm not worried about it. Get, yeah, no, like he'll get there. He'll high-popping sure. number, but I'm not concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go with one more guy for the Who's Hot segment. and uh, Do it. It's, it's the ace, Luis Severino. My, he's been ungodly this year. I mean, just start in, start I think he's had, like, what, one bad start? That start against the Red Sox? Like, other than that, he's been – Awesome, just in almost every start. Wasn't that like 25 degrees that game too? Yeah, that it was literally 25 degrees for most games in April. Like that was just terrible. But yes, so just a quick. I think he's not nine and one. He so yeah. he already has nine wins and 13 starts. I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously that's you know run support and all. But 86 innings pitched, only 59 hits, only 21 walks, a WHIP of 0.93. And 102 strikeouts in 86 innings. And, Let me drop a stat. And, FIP, pitcher, uh, fielding independent pitching, excuse me, 2.15 leads Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, his Also, his home runs per nine innings at 0.4, also among the best in Major League Baseball. So, yeah, I mean, he's just been phenomenal. I mean, it, like, I don't think most of us didn't think he was going to have as good of a year as he did last year. I think we all kind of like – agreed with that as a group as a group but you know i know and i know it's still early june but man he is just i mean he's on pace to even have a better year than he had last year um you know what the over under was uh, in the in the preseason podcast was it like two was it like a 3.0 era i'm not sure but i think i predicted him around like a 3.30 era yeah me too me, I, yeah. I think i think we both agreed that he was going to have yeah. some dominating starts but he had he'd throw in a couple where he gave up like five runs and four innings pitched and I would blow to zero, and yeah. we've been dead wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Just, that's why I mentioned like he really hasn't had that many bad starts. It seems like every start it's like seven innings, one or two runs, you know, hundred pitches and a win. Like just every start, he hasn't given up more than three runs in his start all year, except for that one yeah. start in early April against the Red Sox, where he gave up five in five innings. But he's given up three runs. On two separate occasions, and that's literally it, aside from that Red Sox game. And check this out. In his 13 starts, the Yankees are 12-1. and one. Mm-hmm. They also, I think, I there's a stat for this somewhere, but they give him really good run support. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, when you have a nine and one record, you know, that's usually what it's going to be a result of, you know, his great run support. But yeah, I mean, he's you know twelve. We he's won twelve of the thirteen games he's he started. It's just he's all like I I love Severin. The fact that he's only twenty four, I mean, just it's scary. Two point two ERA on the season. Hardest fastball amongst starting pitchers in baseball. I mean, it's it's, it's Sevy season. Like, I, Sevy's a guy that, like, any, like, you know, I love obviously watching the Yankees every game, but, like, when Sevy pitches, it's one of those games that, like, I'd almost try to, like, just sit down and watch the whole game. Cause I really, I just, I love watching him pitch more than I think I've loved watching any Yankees starter pitch in my lifetime. And cause, you know, the Yankees really, you know, when's the last time they had a legit ace like this? Like, just think of that. I mean, Roger Clemens of 2001, maybe. Like I was about to say, you know, like Clemens, you know, he, he, Clemens had like a above a four ERA with his few years as a Yankee, you know. But and you they know, had a CC, couple when we got CC, CC was an ace, but uh, they had a couple like, really he wasn't good a dominant years. ace, you know. They got a, I mean, they got a couple really good years out of CC. They got yeah, absolutely. You know, he won we're 2009, 2010, 2011. Those three years were five. Like at or around 20 games, he won for like three or four years. Yeah, but like, in just in terms of like, CC was great, but like I'm talking, he wasn't fully like Sevius. Exactly, like a dominating ace, a guy that you know has an ERA in the high ones, low twos, like halfway through the season, like that type of like that Scherzer, like Sale, Verlander type of ace. Like we, the Yankees really haven't had one of those in a long time, and you know here comes Luis Severino just following up, you know finishing third in Cy Young voting last year, and he's. Maybe might win it this year. Who knows? Who you know knows? what's crazy? I would have never ever expected this. I know he was great in 2015 mm-hmm. when he came up, but I was at that Friday night game in 2016. I think it was the game that ultimately they put that phantom injury on him to put him down to the minors and yeah. ultimately move him to the bullpen. I what he we went I guess a starter or something. It was a game against the White Sox. He was opposed by Chris Sale, Gary Sanchez might have made his major league debut that, that night or it was a second career game i anywho um uh, they sacrificed him to chris sale and then sent him down the next yeah, day yeah that, that's exactly the game they brought up gary the, the dh he faced sale went over five they demoted him the next day but in that game severino gave up like seven runs in three oh, innings uh, and two, i was just two and two like, thirds two and two thirds seven hits seven runs four walks two strikeouts yeah yeah and that was it that that's he didn't start again until september i think but I was thinking at that point, like, what the hell happened to the guy who looked like our future a year ago? Mm-hmm. Is this it? Are we ever going to see him again? And now he's arguably the best pitcher in the American League. Like, it's insanity. Yeah, and, like, that's what I kept saying at the beginning of the year and even last year. Is, you know, that 2016 version of Seve wasn't that long ago, right? That was very recent memory. But, you know, obviously this year he's been awesome and you kind of almost forget about it, but. Yeah, I mean, that was – I mean, hopefully we just look back, like, you know, at the end of Seve's career, we just look back at 2016 as just, like, that weird, fluky year. Because, you know, when you look back at it, like, I think his ERA only ended up being in the fives. I mean, his ERA as a starter was, like, 7.5 or something. Like, he was, like – like, as a bull, like as a bullpen guy, he was actually pretty good, which brought he his ERA He was disgusting. Back. He didn't ERA yeah. mm-hmm. he, he brought his ERA back to, like, at least, like, a somewhat respectable state. Like, his ERA as a starter was just – like brutal. Like his first start that year against Detroit, five innings, like only five innings, three runs, but he gave up ten hits. Like it, it was just a rough year, man. It's crazy how how he's just done a complete one eighty. But 
Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, we're going to just kind of do that from every now and then. It's just the easiest, most classic segment in the book, right? Uh, who's hot and who's not. I'm going to uh, throw my, uh, I'm going to, a quick addendum to the segment and a shout out for Greg Bird since he's been really yep. good. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. Bird deserve, the bird man in New York deserves a shout out. When- we're getting shout outs in. Uh, I, I, Aaron Games, 328. 418, 569, triple slash line. Uh, you go back to May 15th against the, the Nationals, uh, that game that got obviously uh, postponed. Mm-hmm. He went over three in that game before the rain, dropped his batting average to a season low, 208, and everyone was calling for his head. It was Clint season. It was Garrett of Hicks. I, what a terrible – why do they keep playing this guy? He's useless. And he's been a very, very strong contributor yeah. since then. You know, Andrew, like that's what I was saying, alluding to earlier, where, you know, so many people who were calling for Clint and who were just all like, get Hicks out of here, you know, get like, get him out of here. People don't realize that, look, hitting 230, hitting 240 for a guy like Hicks, that isn't good. But at least that's like, you know, a a lower part of his game. A guy like Clint Frazier, there's no guarantee that he's going to hit 230 at like an MLB level over like, you know, with the, given as many bats at bats as Hicks. And furthermore, like I said earlier, we saw Clint, you know, have a couple of blunders in left field, which, you know, it's nothing against him, but people just take that for granted. People take for granted the plays that Hicks just makes on a daily basis that, you know, Frazier might not make all of them and you don't notice it until those plays aren't being made. And, and I even when Hicks makes the doubleheader Monday, they were able to recover. Like there was a play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Detroit, I think, where he totally misjudged it and then had to, like, scramble and made a catch at the end. Like, most defenders, if they if they misread off the bat, it's dropping as a hit. And yeah. he was able to recover. Mm-hmm. He looked like an idiot, but he still made the play. Yeah, it, it's just like, you know, people say in football, like, you know, you just don't notice a great O-line until they're gone, until your quarterback's getting sacked every time. Like, you don't notice a great outfield until, you know, a ball drops in between three guys that clearly the left fielder should have called off. Right. You know, like that was something as like someone who played the outfield all throughout his life playing baseball. That was something that like legitimately made me mad that Clint didn't call off that ball. Like you like you need to be screaming. That's your ball with like, look, Andujar, we've talked about earlier. He not the best defensive third baseman, but there is no way in hell he should be all the way out in the outfield there, like backpedaling, trying to make play. It makes him look bad. And like, you know, it's not about making anyone look bad. That's beside the point. But you like like a few of okay a few people in bbb said like you know actually and a few people on twitter in general were saying hey i don't think clint could have caught that which is complete bs i mean he was right there and even if he quote unquote couldn't have caught that clint needs to be calling that ball off there could be injuries there could be a collision that's his ball bottom line if the outfielder coming in he should have you know it's much easier for him than it is to expect labor torres or uh and too hard to make some, you know, Willie Mays catch over their shoulder running backwards yeah, and, or something and, like that. Matt, that's a good point. Who was playing shortstop in the second game of the doubleheader? It was Glaber Torres, who I know mm-hmm. is a shortstop by trade, but he's played every inning of his major league career before that that night game at second base. So that's a play he doesn't normally have to. I, you mm-hmm. could say it's it's similar going to right field from second as it is going to left from short, but I I, I, don't, I can't speak to it being the same play, but mm-hmm. Clint has to be the one to call that off. Yeah, no, that was at like that. It that was inexcusable. Like that is something that I think if you know baseball and if you like play the outfield, like you know that like on a ball like that, if the outfielder like doesn't say anything, if he doesn't call it off, like that is just a major like no no. Because really, that's like really, it's not even like let's like 
like take our minds off of like, oh, you know, not making the catch. That's the that's a classic case of a concussion right there. No one calls the mm-hmm. ball, then three aggressive young guys just all run into each other. And you know, we've seen like Clint's already had a concussion scare this year. And I mean, that's an easy way to get another one. And then I don't think I was watching the game at this point, but he misjudged another ball in the outfield too later in that game, didn't he not? I think that was the same inning, honestly. Yeah, the same, the same, the same inning same where inning. they got it was it was I think the double that put James McCann on second base. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know, the the whole shenanigans with the ball that fell in. Mm-hmm. Um not that I wanted, you know, that we kind of got off on this tangent of just ripping on Clint Frazier, but I, I mean I like it. <laughs> no, I mean it's I think it would I mean I'll, I'll give my tip of the cap to Aaron Hicks, you know, regardless of what his batting average is, which is over two fifty now, which is kind of good. It's trending in the right direction. He works the count, he works good at bats, and he is aggressive on the base paths. He steals bases. Um, but, I mean, not that it's something I don't think that's under serious consideration, but removing Hicks from an everyday role would complicate the center field situation since, you know, Gardner has a lot of experience there, but I, I just don't think he's as good of an option because he definitely doesn't have as good of a throwing arm. And, um, I mean, you know, he's still fast, but I think Hicks is what, you know, just has a – you know, a much easier time probably tracking balls and getting to balls than Gardner would at this point in his career. So that would make, you know, you know, like we saw Aaron Judge play center field. Like it would just kind of make a mess of the whole situation that is definitely not a necessary thing they need to explore right now. Aaron Judge playing center field seems like it was another season. Because like that was such, like when like you saw Judge in center, it was such like a like a whoa moment, you know, like what's, what's he doing out there? Even when you saw Stanton in like, like, uh, yeah, right f- or no left field because he never played right field. It was just something you didn't expect to see like so early. But you know, Boone kind of right away was like, yeah, the judge is playing center and Stanton's going to be in left and right. Like nothing, nothing much you could do about it. Um, but, time, a lifetime ago, the Yankees were nine and nine. Uh, a life- stuff. Dude, a, li- a lifetime ago, Billy McKinney and Shane Robinson were the outfielders for the Yankees. Oh man, <laughs> doesn't that feel like so long ago? It's crazy. But a lifetime ago, the New York Mets were eleven and one. Yeah, that's a you know what? That's a great segue, Andrew. Because oh my god, the <laughs> New York Mets like they have just fallen off the face of the earth. I mean, yeah, at one point they were you know early in the season they were just hot. When, remember when the Yankees were like one game over five hundred, like nine and eight, nine and nine. The Mets were just cruising along, t- probably ten games over five hundred. Yeah, that's not the case anymore. Um, the Mets have arguably been like the worst team in baseball over the past few weeks. Um, I well, the just placed the worst, the played the worst team in baseball over that same span. Yeah. The Blue Jays have the worst record. The Mets might have the second or third worst. Mm-hmm. The Mets uh, have three wins since May twenty fourth. <laughs> they have currently the lost. Either. The Mets. The Mets lost. So let's see, six games in a row, and over those six games, they've scored seven runs combined. The, um, yeah, they just I faced the worst pitching staff in baseball in the Orioles and scored yeah. two runs. Yeah, um, scored the one Mets run. in the last four games. One run, you're right, excuse me. No, okay. Guys, in the last four games, against the two games against the Orioles, two games against the Cubs, all games at home, by the way, mm-hmm. they scored two runs. Um, They've lost six straight, seven of eight. They haven't won a like they they split against the Braves, but I don't think they've won a series since they swept the Diamondbacks, which was like a while ago. 
May 18th. They, they currently sit at 27 and 32. Um, they're fourth in the NL East. And, you know, the NL East is, I mean, the Braves and the Phillies are just pretty much a year ahead of schedule. So, I mean, that kind of sucks for the Mets. And, yeah, they're, they're bad. The New York Mets are bad. They, I don't know if you guys saw this, but they had, there was some like Todd Frazier like night or something, like some memorabilia. They had to cancel that. They're just a friggin' mess, man. It's unbelievable. But, you know, it's, I don't think it's going to be an easy series for the Yankees this week because, you know, it's you got DeGrom on Friday night, and then I believe Syndergaard was supposed to go on Sunday night, but... It's I, currently scheduled yeah, it's, for Syndergaard versus Severino. On yeah, it, it, it was weird. Like, the ESPN app, it had Syndergaard up there, but then it took a, took him off today. So, like, I assume Syndergaard's still going to go Sunday, but... I think they were saying this. He might have something with his finger or something. Yeah. They're not sure. If he doesn't start, it's not because they're, you know, he's ducking the Yankees. It's because... He's going to have a DL, right? Yes. He he's, like, he has an injury or something. And he's going it's not because he's ducking, like, David Price. I was about to say, he's not David Price in the Yankees. <laughs> or Otani, to a lesser degree. Yeah, Otani did, too. Yeah, let's say uh, who who did it first, Price or Otani? David Price. Price. Yeah, he was playing too much Fortnite. <laughs> oh man, you know we, we've done a few. Remember when? Remember when David Price had like a great start to the season? I mean, let's fun. be honest. It was like three starts. No, I was about to say it was three starts, but it was a great start for him, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the Yankees on you know Friday night, you got Tanaka versus Degrom. Degrom, you know, since coming back. He's he's been pretty nasty. Um, on Saturday, the game Saturday and the game Saturday is on Fox. Game Sunday is on ESPN. Um, Domingo Herman will look to get that elusive win numero uno, and then Degrom's coming off Sunday. Degrom's coming off a thirteen strikeout game against the Cubs that the Mets somehow managed to lose. Yep. And then the <laughs> following day, the Mets oh allowed. John Lester to carry a perfect game into the seventh inning. <laughs> John Lester. We're talking about John Lester here. In 2018, John Lester. 2018, John Lester. 2018, John Lester. Yeah, but mm. what do you guys – I mean, do you guys see the Yankees just pulling off the clean sweep of the Mets? Because, I mean, they look, they've just – it's really not – because, like, I think it's going to be, like, a few low-scoring games because they've – you know, overall, like, they've been pitching pretty well. You know, they haven't been re- – like, their bullpen's awful, but, you know, their starters are pretty good. I'm like, you know, even Steven Matz, who will be the other pitcher they start, you know, he's had a pretty solid year. Yeah, um, his last outing was good too. Yeah. And he actually went toe-to-toe with Lester in that that game on. I think it was I think it was last Sunday. Um so I mean, they've all pitched well. I mean, you just look at the, those are their three best pitchers. If in fact uh Thor pitches on Sunday night. Uh, I, I have to say that the Mets are going to take at least one of the three games just because I mean, it, it's very hard to just say guaranteed we're going to take all three. Right. Even as bad as the Mets are, one of those guys has a good pitching performance. I mean, what are you going to do? It's, I mean, not like, yeah, you can't just lock it in like, oh, they'll definitely sweep. But I mean, the Mets, they can't score. Like, and the, you know, you could say that they're facing the Mets' two best pitchers, but the Mets are basically facing the Yankees' two best starters as well. So, I mean, it's, uh, and the third, you know, the matchup in between, which is, you know, Domingo Herman versus Steven Matz. Like, Steven Matz has been pretty good, and mm-hmm. Domingo Herman's had some good starting, like, good starts and good outings, good stretches of game, too. So, I mean, like, I consider that one, you know, maybe a toss-up. I think it's hard. I You just got to give the advantage to the Yankees for a million different reasons, but just the Mets can't score. Like, they really yeah. just can't score runs. 
Their mm-hmm. offense is so bad. Um, they're right now their leader in pretty much almost every offensive category is as Drupal Cabrera. Yep. And you know, he's, he's having a nice series in, you know, 286, but I mean, they just, I don't even, they don't even have anyone who like their next highest batting average, I believe is Ahmed Rosario. Who's hitting 251, like Conforto's down at 228, you know, Todd, I, it's no surprise that Todd's at 230. I mean, that's where he kind but of, Todd just came off the DL. Cespedes mm-hmm. is on the DL. Jay Bruce might be going to the DL. He's hasn't really played the past. Jay Bruce has three home runs for the whole season. Here, yeah. yeah. Speaking of injuries, here's a fun game. Who plays first in 2018, David Wright or Jacoby Ellsbury? Neither. I say Ellsbury. I'm going to say David Wright. I'd say <laughs> just, just because. Just because. Because you want to watch the world burn. <laughs> um. Well, so there were some rumblings and some possibility that Cespedes would come back for this series, but I think that's there was a reporter today that said that that's probably not going to happen. And uh, I mean, with Cespedes, his injury history, why would you rush him? And even if you don't rush him, he'll probably get hurt again. So, I mean, mm-hmm. and so it doesn't sound like he'll be back. Honestly, I mean, even though Todd Frazier was really good for the Yankees, I just, I, I don't know. I don't see how much he moves the needle for the Mets offense. Like, it's not so much about him as it is about everyone else. Yeah, it, I, I think it was, you know, I was upset to see Todd go, and I'm especially upset to see him go to the Mets, but. Yeah, it was more upset as that he wasn't going to be in the Yankees as a clubhouse guy. It really wasn't about his bat, you know. I mean, he was very, very unspectacular for the Yanks last season in his uh, short stint, and looks like he's been that for the Mets. And you know, obviously he's gone through some injuries, but yeah, you know, it's always fun to have a nice little Subway series. Um, really, it just sucks for the Mets that they're just ice cold, and then you get the you know forty and eighteen Yankees coming into town. Um, well rested bullpen. Yep, well rested. Good starts. Um, you get, you know, the Yankees got their number two and their number one guy going, and two of their starts, and obviously Herman. So it should be a fun series. And guys, we got anything else you want to talk about? Um, I mean, so right around this time, we would, well, the last time, the last couple times, right around this time, we threw out a hot take or two. Hmm. G loves the hot takes. I love it. <laughs> well g you know what you you suggested the hot takes what's your hot take let's have a hot take for the weekend series oh god um is it a hot take to say they suggest that the mets score more than three runs in a game at this point that is a, i mean the, the, their last four games they haven't done the scored three runs so i mean that, that might be a hot take or you could you could go about it a different way and say combined for the three games like would they score more than I don't know, like eight runs total in three games? Is that possible? Is that a hot take? You're asking the question, man. We need we need a hot take here. Yeah, I'm dodging Andrew, the question. Andrew took the words right out of my mouth. All right, no, so so circle back to me because I really just I, I'm really content with the way the Yankees are playing, despite the fact that you know maybe Gary's in the tank right now. Like I'm really. So then make Gary breaking out be your hot take. Uh, all right, fine. So I'll, it's so. Gary does have a home run against Jacob DeGrom. So. Yeah, okay. So Gary will have a home run. He'll have a good series if that's a hot take. It's a very nonspecific hot take, but it's a hot go. take. All right. Yeah. I got one. Stanton, Stanton will hit a 450-foot home run again like he did. He does in- have a lot of experience against the Mets in that ballpark. 
Mm-hmm. I was about to, you know, he's very, yeah, very familiar with the New York Mets status. But you know, my hot take: seven Sunday night baseball, thirteen strikeouts. Ooh. I'm feeling. I mean, it. honestly, against this Mets lineup, he's, had, he's yeah. had, I believe, ten plus strikeouts in his last two outings. So, not, oh. quick tip of the cap to Severino: his Astros game is complete game against the Astros is already going to be on Yankees classics. Isn't it on tonight? I don't know, but I, mean, I, think it just I saw the commercial for it yesterday, which is pretty cool for the for the kid right there. Yeah. Anyway, all right. My hot take: Domingo Herman picks up his first major league win on Saturday. Okay. So, are we circling back to G, or did G just give us like eight hot takes? No, there? I gave I I gave you like a, a sampling <laughs> of some hot take thoughts. But <laughs> I, gave I us think, a trail mix of I hot. Think takes. My, I think my hot take was that Gary would have a good series since that's yeah he's, hasn't he's, hasn't happened a lot. He's stinking up the joint right now, so that that'll be my hot take that Gary has a good series against two of the Mets, well, the Mets' two best pitchers. Well, that that those were our hot takes, and I guess with that. I guess that's our show. So for Matt, for Andrew, for G, the Bronx Bar and Battle Podcast, and boys, eaters, eaters. Cheers, boys.